Hi, um, this is Andrea calling from San Francisco. Hi, Andrea. How are Andrea. you? Andrea. I'm doing all right. What's up? Um, I have a 2000 Jetta, mm-hmm. and it has started a few weeks back to give me a strident warning sound and flash this little red temperature light at me when I oh. shortly after I pull away from the curb. Okay. Um, after doing that for a week or so, then it started to, it, it goes away after a minute. Really? Well, it certainly isn't overheating then. That's right. Even if you had no coolant in it, it wouldn't be overheating. <laughs> right. Right. So, but, so we, we, this light is something else. But go ahead, continue. So now it's been doing it also when in the temperature gauge is like straight up and down, like right in the middle, like whatever, 190 degrees Fahrenheit. It goes back on again, that strident beep and the red light and it flashes. And it stays on for a long time. Oh, so as you drive and first thing in the morning, the light comes on and then goes off yes and then you get up to the exact correct temperature and the light comes on again yes but it goes on and off on and off yes and when when it comes on in the morning does it always stay on for the same minute or is it no does that it varies it varies yeah Uh because i think the light that's coming on is telling you that's the coolant level light I believe I believe yeah. your engine has a sensor that that is telling you that you're low on not that it's overheating, but you might overheat because you don't have enough coolant. And there's a sensor in in the plastic uh, uh, bottle where you where you actually add the coolant, which is called the overflow container. And that that sensor is either faulty or you might not have enough coolant. And what happens, I think, is that when you first start it, the coolant level is low, low enough to turn the light on, and as you drive it the coolant may expand enough to just turn the light out. In other words, it just reaches exactly. the level of the sensor. And this works perfectly for all your symptoms. Right. And, and then and then when you go around corners or make abrupt stops, it's possible that, or accelerate, it's possible that you, you are making the, the sensor go in and out of the coolant because the level goes up and down as you, you know, change the velocity of the and vehicle. And so the light comes on and off. Okay. We, we think. We That's think. what we I mean, both you, you think. Haven't, you, uh, other than calling us, you haven't, Look, looked in the owner's book or anything like that? No, I uh, I had a sort of a phantom problem that I threw a lot of money at. Uh, oh, so you decided to ignore this problem now because it might cost you money. Right. So <laughs> now I'm like, I'm going to run this car into the ground until it actually stopped doing something so that someone can say, yes, this is the problem. <laughs> well, if you're low on coolant, there's a good chance, and if you have a leak, there's a good chance that you are going to run into the ground and until it's absolutely doing something that's detectable. Yeah, I mean, the easiest thing to do is to pour some either antifreeze or just plain water into the plastic overflow bottle. Okay. I believe there are two lines in this thing. One says max and one says min, and and you don't want to fill it above the max line, but I'm guessing it's going to be either at or below the minimum line, and that's why the light's coming on. Yeah. Okay. And then take it to the shop because they're going to tell you that you have a leak, and you it shouldn't that level shouldn't change. If it's going down, it means that you're probably losing coolant someplace. You could have a loose hose clamp. You could have a bad water pump. And if that's the case, you're going to continue to lose coolant. It may take you five or six years to lose another quart. My guess is that it's going to take a few months. And Can then I... you have to decide. Yeah, how many miles do you have on this thing? 88,000. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it could be time for a new water pump. How much would that cost? You don't want to know. Just oh, add some coolant God. to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they do the water pump, they're going to change the timing belt and all that because you might as well. Yeah. You're going to be right in there. So I just did that. Oh, maybe, well, maybe they caused the leak. I would go back uh. and blame them. <laughs> Say the light was never on until you guys went in there and, and changed my timing belt. And every 
everything's been downhill since. And everything's been downhill since then. <laughs> and they'll feel guilty and they'll fix it for you. <laughs> you don't know my mechanics. <laughs> well, good luck, Andrea. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, you know what time it is now? Yes, uh, time to rig the office Super Bowl pool. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's time to play Stump the Chumps. This is the part of the show where we dig up a caller from a previous show to see if they've followed our advice. And if they did, how, how their convalescence is going. <laughs> so uh, who are we checking in with this week? Huh? It's Michael from Atlanta, Georgia. Mm, you're going to have to refresh my memory. Well, Michael called us back in the fall because his Toyota Camry was acting strangely. Okay, so now here, when I'm stopped and I'm pointed uphill slightly... Uh, when I start to go from what sounds like inside the dashboard, I hear this sound that goes like this. Like somebody's trying to get the last little bit of a milkshake, you know, with their straw or something like that. I'm going to just jump right into what I, <laughs> what I think it is. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead. Because I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it's air in the, in, the, in the cooling system. I don't either. But I, I, somehow I just get the feeling it's a bad motor mount. Oh, gee! I just, I just, wow. I, You're gonna have to go a long way to convince me of that. Oh, I'm not gonna try to convince anyone. I just, I just, I just a bad motor mount. Yeah. It's a, what has that got to do with any of this? <laughs> a bad motor mount. <laughs> Come on, it's early, man. <laughs> Where'd you get motor mount out of this? I don't know. I just had an inspiration. <laughs> Inspiration. It's more like a hallucination. All right, all right. I'm ready to take my lumps. All right. You tried to convince us that the sucking sound uh -huh. was actually the engine shifting. Y and yeah, I said it like was that. the last of your brain cells being removed from your head by space <laughs> aliens. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's see how we did. Michael, are you there? Yes, sir. Look, at before you fill us in, Michael, we have not spoken since your last appearance on Car Talk. Is that true? That's true. And the answer you're about to give here has not been influenced by our staff, the staff of NPR, or by the letter of apology uh, that, from my psychiatrist. <laughs> no, though the letter was persuasive. It did not affect my answer. Okay, so so what was the sucking sound, Michael? It was, it went away when I got my radiator replaced. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I had a leak in my radiator. Yeah, uh -huh. so remember way back at that the beginning of the call, I said, I'm going to just sense. jump right in yeah. Yeah. and say, I don't think it's the cooling system. <laughs> yeah, you threw us a curveball there. Yeah, it well, certainly was. Well, you know, it, it, was just too, it was just too predictable. It was. It and was. I must have been influenced by having given that cooling system low coolant answer. To too many times. Too many times. I just wanted to change it up. Well, I don't blame you. How are your motor mounts, by the way? <laughs> as far as I know, they're fine. Well, I think when you went for the radiator replacement, they must have sneaked in a motor mount. They must have put one in free of charge. <laughs> so apparently, you know, when my radiator was bad, the mechanic told me that the system filled up with, you know, some kind of blockage or hot air. Or with air. Like it filled that. up with air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then what the sound apparently that what I was hearing was once that system was blocked, mm -hmm. there's a small little vent, it, I, I've learned, <laughs> that on top of the little reservoir where you add water and coolant. Mm -hmm. And it seemed that some of the stuff was sputtering out of there. 
Yeah. Oh, no, it was sputtering out because it was just overheating. You, at some point, you didn't have enough coolant in there to keep the engine running at its right temperature, and the thing was boiling. The little coolant you had was boiling, and steam and whatever was were spewing out of there. But I think the noise you were hearing was actually air and, it, and, and the coolant trying to make its way into the heater core. You heard the mixing together, and that's the whooshing, gurgling sound, which I recognized immediately as being the, you know, the, the condition. The that real you, answer. The real answer, but I... You know, I just didn't. You know, I didn't think you deserved a good answer that day. I don't know, Michael, and I, I apologize, and and my psychiatrist apologizes. <laughs> well, how did you jump from that to what you jumped to? Well, well, uh, did you say it was a motor mount? Well, I thought it was a motor. A mount. motor mount. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I, I was having a bad day, no, man. I think I gave. I, I, I'll be honest here. I think I gave you some bad. Inclination. Yeah, you did, you did, you did. I know it was you. I was talking about when I was on a hill. Exactly. I only heard it, yeah, I only heard it when I just started going. Exactly. So I gave you a little bit of maybe I give you a head fake there. He, and you obfus it. he oh. obfuscated the question. Oh. <laughs> oh, they turned the tables yeah, on turned me. Turned the tables uh, on you, buddy. Yes, right. I failed to ask you obfuscation. Well, or I, whatever it's called. I got what I deserved, I guess. Well, Michael, <laughs> thanks for playing Stump the Chumps. Thanks a bunch, fellas. Bye-bye, <laughs> Michael. Take care. If you hear someone you'd like us to bring back for Stump to Chumps, please email us your suggestion from cartalk.com. All right, look, it's time to address last week's puzzler. Yeah, well, Box 3500, Harvard Square, <laughs> Cambridge, Mass, 02238. My brother, helpful as usual. <laughs> no, we have to address it as in give the answer to last week's puzzler. And oh. the puzzler, if you remember, was about the shortest day of the upcoming year. That's simple. December 21st. Wrong transmission, Brett. <laughs> That's not it. It's not? No, it is not. And I'll have the real answer, and we'll take more of your car questions in just a minute. So stay tuned. Have you seen her? Ain't she great? She's something you'll appreciate. I'm sure you understand just what I mean. Why everybody everywhere is falling for her now. I'm talking about the new Ford, and boy, she is a wow. Lay off, people, lay off, folks. None of your sarcastic jokes, cause Henry's made a lady out of Lizzie. No more bruises, no more aches. Now she's got those four-wheel brakes. Henry's made a lady out of Lizzie. She's even got a rumble seat and lots of style and class. The horn just seems to holler out, they shall not pass. The Lincoln cars just yell out loud that they are mighty, mighty proud. Cause Henry's made a lady out of Lizzie. Hey, pull over there. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and, of course, the answer to last week's puzzler. And this was a nice, succinct puzzler that was sent in by a guy named Bill Horowitz. And I believe you said last week that you are turning over a new leaf. I am. You promised uh, decreased obfuscation in your puzzlers this uh, year? I did. And this is the first step in your new direction. This very puzzler. Well, yeah, and if you shut up for a minute, there's still a chance for me to make it brief. All right, don't let me interrupt. Oh, God, okay. You ready? Yeah. Just like 2006, 2007 has 365 days. Of those 365 days, which day will be the shortest day of the year 2007? You know, the downside of shorter puzzlers... No, I don't. I don't get to nap while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, pay attention then. Yeah, okay. Now, 
it would. I'm sure people started right away thinking about December 20th or December 21st, right? That's sure I did. Yeah, but you think about the shortest number of hours of daylight, the shortest amount of shortest amount of daylight. But I asked for the shortest day. Yeah, you did. And the shortest day is 23 hours. Not 24 huh? hours, and it's the day that we turn the clocks ahead. Oh! Right? Yes. Because it's sometime in the middle of the night, you turn your clock ahead from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. So yeah. that day, and I think this year it's March 11th. No kidding. March 11th is a 23-hour day. That's the shortest day. That's right. And conversely, the longest day is the day we so do it the other spring way. back. 25 hours. And you get a 25-hour day, so it balances out we don't lose you know if you average it out every day is 24 hours and of course this is true for almost the entire country it isn't true if you live in arizona unless you're part of the navajo nation oh they don't observe time at all i don't think <laughs> <laughs> and hawaii i don't think observes daylight savings time they don't they, they don't, don't do it no why would they bother why, why, why exactly every, every day is perfect why screw it up? Well, if you and if you're close to the equator, it, it hardly matters. It hardly matters. That's right. So, do we have a winner? Oh, you bet we have a winner. The winner this week is John Partridge from Wellesley, Massachusetts. Hey, a local guy, and for having his answer selected at random, from among all the correct answers that we got, John is going to get a twenty-six dollar gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at CarTalk.com, with which he can get our CarTalk. Latin T-shirt which says "Non impediti ratione cogitationis," which of course in Latin means what? It's my brother's motto: unencumbered by the thought process. That's it, exactly right. Congratulations, John, for being our puzzler winner. Well, and of course we have a brand new puzzler coming up in the third half of the show, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you have a question about your car or your Latin translation, give us a call. The number is eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight eight eight. Two two seven eighty two fifty five. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, uh, my name is Catherine. I'm calling from Somerville. Hi, Catherine. Somerville. So it's Catherine with a C. It is. It is. How do I know? So it? I have a 1992 Saab 900, um, which was a hand-me-down car from my parents, um, which I learned to love, and. I've already put in several hundred dollars worth of work on it with new front brakes and, unfortunately, a new radiator, which went out on Friday, of course, at 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> uh, I ha it, oh, it has 155,000 miles on it. Not um, bad. Not bad for a sob, I figure. I figure I've got another 50 or 100, right, in there? You might. You might. Okay. That's if, what I'm thinking. If your bank account can take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of the question. When I took it in for its 150,000-mile checkup, which actually was at 154,000, yeah. they also told me it needed um, new rear brake pads and rotors, which they said was going to be about five to $600, a left upper ball joint, and a right inner driver. And that was getting in the neighborhood of close to $1,000 to do. Yeah. Or maybe a right inner tie rod. How does um, that sound? Right. It had something to do with the axle. How much was, the, how much was that thing? I have two estimates actually, and one was for about seven hundred, and one was close to a thousand dollars, nine hundred and seventy, to do it. And I love the car, and I want to do the work just because I can't, somehow the whole idea of going out and like finding another car and buying a new car seems like so much work. But I also don't want to be throwing money at something where, you know, I could be doing this every six months. So this was this the car. Saab dealer to whom you went. I went to the Saab dealer, and they gave me the higher end estimate, and then I took it to another mechanic who I trust, who gave me an estimate which was a little bit lower. So did the the the, the diagnoses agree? Yes. 
Okay. Right. Well, one wonderful thing about Saabs is that they make the parts forever. So if you decide to keep the thing for the long haul, you'll be able to buy parts. You don't think okay. she's already on the long haul? She's got 150,000 miles. Well, she, she may be. She, yeah. she may be. So, so what? What? Are you, What's you, the problem? I mean, now? Are you going for the record or something? I mean, is this some kind of a challenge? <laughs> is somebody made a made you. Uh, somebody dared you to drive it for 250,000 miles? I sort of figure it's got to go until its last possible gasp. I just don't know when the last gasp. Well, they is. go for a long time. There's no question about it. What's your uh, upper bound as far as? Uh, how much do you think you can spend a year on maintenance and repair? Oh. I mean, no. so so this rate, between the radiator and the front brakes. I've already put in, I don't know, $800 or something like that. Oh, more than that. Tell, tell the truth now. Fess up. Probably closer to 1000 Maybe closer to 1000 yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 1200 actually. <laughs> well, here's, here's the real determinant, I think, in my mind. Uh, what kind of driving do you do with this car? Mostly in the city. But I do travel for work enough where I do, you know, two-hour road trips out to project sites. And then I also, um, I carry, I'm a scholar, and I carry my boat around on the roof of my car when oh. I go to regattas, now, which is another sort of added complication because when I go to either job sites or regattas, I often end up driving over rough roads, parking in cornfields, where if I, I've ripped the muffler off this car once by doing that. Huh. <laughs> it's the, now, how long have you had the car? Two years two years. What kind of driving did your parents do? Oh, very nice, tame, suburban driving. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody was driving the heck out of this thing, because it has only 150,000 miles on it, so it hasn't been brand new. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the reason I ask what kind of driving you do is, is that if you are doing predominantly city driving, that's okay, because there are lots of pieces on this car which you haven't replaced yet. You will eventually, but until you do, you're at risk of having a breakdown. So if you you know if you if you said look I every weekend I drive to the White Mountains, and and I you know I drive five hundred or six hundred miles in a weekend I'd say it's time for a new car because this car is going to prove to be unreliable. But if you're doing the kind of driving that you say you're doing, then I'd say keep the thing. Okay. You know and and if it becomes at some point unreliable, that is if every week something else seems to be breaking, you'll know when it's time to get rid of it. Mm. Yeah. Just give us a call next time you get a big bill. And Tommy will help you out. If you need some cash, don't worry. You need Just... some cash. I can take care of it. <laughs> See you oh, later. I'll take care of that. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, guys. This is Robert from Pataskala, Ohio. Hi, Robert. What's from, going from on? From where? Pataskala, Ohio. Ohio's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll just say somewhere within the state boundary. Yeah, okay. Okay. I have a 96 Cavalier. Yeah. And on days when it's been kind of wet overnight, even if it's just foggy, mm -hmm. and it's been a little bit cold, when I get in the car, I back out of the driveway, I apply the brake, from the back right tire, I hear... <sighs> And that section of the car, the back passenger side of Lifts the car, up. drops. Drops? Drops. About six to eight inches. Ooh. I put it in forward. I pull up to check the mail. Apply the brake again. Okay. And I try to do that a couple of times. It doesn't do it when it's in park. But when it's in gear, be it uh, drive or reverse, it does it until... I go, let's say, over 25, 30 miles an hour, and then come to a gradual stop. Uh huh. So we get this, you, you back up, you get the whoop, the car drops down, 
in that just on that tire. Just right on that, right tire. On that tire. Right. And it's, then you pull forward and you step on the brake and it drops down again? It does the same thing. I mean it's it sounds like the the emergency brake is stuck on that wheel. But it wouldn't keep sounding like that when I was driving. It just knocks it out once I Well, once you started driving it might free up or you might grind off enough of the brake material <laughs> so that it, so that it's no longer stuck. How long has this been going on? It does it once in a while, so I would say probably like three months. I mean, there ain't much back there in that right rear wheel. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, you've got brakes in the rear. Okay. Uh, and it has a uh, you know a spring and a shock absorber and not much else. And if anything were wrong with the suspension, I, I would guess, ooh, you know, there's a possibility that you have a suspension bushing that's frozen. Suspension bushing frozen that would only act up on when I applied the brakes, though? Well, when you apply the brakes, you know, the, the, the vehicle wants to dive or nose. Whenever uh -huh. you're backing up and you step on, on the brake going in reverse, mm -hmm. the rear bumper, uh, if you still have one, uh, <laughs> want, wants, wants to, to go down. Wants to go down. Uh -huh. Okay, just like if you're going forward and you step on the brakes, the car noses. The, the front bumper wants to dive into the pavement, so to speak. Uh -huh. Okay, because you're, you're, you're transferring the momentum of the car and, and all kinds of things are happening. You're trying to make the entire car rotate now um, around the front wheels if you're going forward which are of course stopped yeah so you know in 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 the extreme case if you slammed on the brakes going at a very high speed the car would stand up on its headlights but that's usually what causes that that symptom to go away yeah right exactly exactly so it, it so while i initially thought it might be a a brake problem. I'm beginning to think I it, don't like it, it might be a suspension. There might be a bushing that's seizing or rusting up when the car is parked. And then once it's had a chance to get exercise, you go up and down over bumps and whatever, uh -huh. and it gets to work because the bushing is, is nothing but a pivot. And when that pivot gets rusted, it can lock in a position. And then once you've had a chance to drive the thing. And it doesn't thing, pivot anymore. And it doesn't pivot. And once you've gone up and down over bumps and whatever, it starts to loosen up and eventually it's all is well. Uh -huh. Yeah, what you, what you have to do is take it to a mechanic and leave it overnight the next morning he will back it up but before it makes this collapsing he'll be he'll have one of the less important people <laughs> one of the expendable people oh yeah exactly. he will be lying underneath the car <laughs> and depending on how expendable he is we'll determine how close he gets to the tire yeah Somebody named, say, Tom. Exactly. Yeah, for okay. example. You got it, Robert. <laughs> and he'll see exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. So that's our guess. And it's just a guess like everything else. But we think we have a shot at it. Cool. Good luck. Okay, right, Robert. Thanks, guys. Say, I appreciate it. Say, say, Good take luck, care. man. Bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Yeah, hi, this is Jeffrey Keith from Denver, Colorado. Hey, Jeffrey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Could you guys all dug out there finally? Uh, no, it looks like buffalo outside. Does it? I yeah. want to thank you guys out there for taking the snow for us this yeah. year. Yeah, right, we got it all. You got it all. You got it all, <laughs> and, and we don't miss it. You might have an entire nation's worth of snow. I think so. Wow, that's kind of neat. Well, that's all right. Well, we sympathize. Yeah. A anyway, so uh, what's going on with your well, car? So my question is about driving on ice. Yeah. Driving on ice, yeah. I know nothing about cars, but I grew up in New England, and I'm a pretty good snow and ice driver. And oh. I've always driven, you know, uh, pre-owned, moderately responsible cars. <laughs> and occasionally, uh, just recently, I got a major upgrade. I went from driving my 91 Chevy Cheyenne uh, truck, full-size truck, mm -hmm. to an Audi uh, A6 
Quattro. Whoa, well, hey. Yeah, so this is a big upgrade for me. You Very think? Scary. It certainly <laughs> yeah. is. So, but the thing is, here's the thing. When you hit the brakes on ice in this Audi, if you push down hard, what happens is you get this kind of really disconcerting, like, jerky thing. Yes. That's it happens. The... It's telegraphing all the way up through your legs. Through the... It's like you're putting a stick down through the bottom of the car and trying yeah. to stop it like that. And, it's going... and, and that's all designed to prevent the car from spinning around and going the other way. Well, this is what my wife says. She says, oh, that's just the electronics. I have it on my Jetta. And yeah. it's setting to the road conditions. And um, She's right. You know, it'll happen once. And then it doesn't happen. Oh, no. It'll happen every time you try to stop on ice. That's the anti-lock brake system. Right. So this is the first experience with this. So I get out there on the ice with my Audi, which is a heavier car than I'm used to. You know, I push down on the brakes. I'm trying to pump the brakes like I used to. Ah, And then this happens. And all of a sudden, I'm going sideways down into the curb. Yeah. So how do I drive with it is the question. Well, what this is, is it prevents you from having to do the things you used to have to do. Yeah, but I don't like that because that's too <laughs> then bad. Have to relearn. <laughs> well, no, but well, but uh, you don't have anything to relearn. Just make believe that nothing's there and hit the brake. Oh, really? And then what? It, what the ABS is doing is doing all that pumping that you used to do. But instead of doing it for all four wheels simultaneously, it is reading the speeds of the various wheels and taking the wheels that are turning too fast and slowing them down more, and it's preventing the car from skidding. Okay, you're supposed to press down hard. Because as soon as this happened, I let up on the brake. I thought I'd broken something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, no, he, it, it takes a while to get used to this. But here's a problem with uh, cars like the Audi A6 and any other car that has all-wheel drive that goes well in snow. You end off going faster than you should. Oh, no, you, not me. You end off, well, you, <laughs> you do because if you had a two-wheel drive car or you had your Cheyenne, if you had a two-wheel drive pickup truck, if you were on ice, you'd be going six miles an hour. Right, yeah. And you'd be thrilled that you were even moving. Right. But your Audi allows you to get moving because it's got, not only does it have all-wheel drive, but it's got traction control, and it allows you to go along at a pretty good clip. Next thing you know, you're on pretty much glare ice, and you're doing maybe 30 or 40 miles an hour, but you can't stop. Yeah, but I grew up in New England driving around, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm pretty... I mean, I know that. And you see these people out here just spinning around and clogging up the roads. And, I mean, we have ter- you know, people don't know how to drive yeah. on that stuff. So basically, you know, in the old days, we were taught to pump the brakes. Right. And and while that did work, ABS does it like 10 times or maybe 100 times better. Oh, so you know, because it So it is pumping. The ABS system has a reservoir of pressure. So it can send little pulses of pressure to, to a wheel that needs it if it's turning too fast or it can release the pressure on a wheel that's turning too slowly, so all the wheels basically end off turning at the same speed. But, but but rest assured that every time you are on ice and you step on the brake, you're going to get that, yeah, you know, you're really going to get a... that stuttering and shuddering that comes right, th- right up through the brake pedal. And right. all you need to do is put your foot on the brake pedal and hold it down. Okay, man. Okay. Forget that's about great. pumping. Thank you so much. See, see you, Jeffrey. Thanks Take for your care. call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, boy. All right, look, before we answer any any more car questions, we have to pause here and let our stations step in with some important words. Yeah, words like, it's not our fault, don't blame us for this. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. And when we come back, my brother will continue turning over his new leaf with yet another, you ready, brief, succinct, clear puzzler. Please turn very slowly, you know that? (laughs) Yeah, we'll be back with the new puzzler and more of your calls in just a minute, so please stay tuned. I'm rolling down the highway.
finest hour. Well, a cop pulled up beside me, he told me. The cop pulled up beside me and said, We're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. And we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and uh, the new Puzzler. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Brief, succinct. What, did I say that? No. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, a longtime customer named Pell Osborne was at the shop a few days ago, and he brought his uh, young son, William, along. And while we discussed uh, Pell's car, William was looking around the shop and within a few minutes he found we have a bunch of signs hanging up in the shop and he found a sign that had been hanging up there for 20 years that had a punctuation mistake oh. and he pointed he said you know that sign's not right because I, I was embarrassed but his dad explained that it's kind of a hobby of, of his son to find either grammatical or spelling or punctuation mistakes yeah you know, so I, I took the kid in the corner and gave him a couple of noobies in the head, <laughs> and I, I got him to give me a puzzler. How old is this kid? I don't know, but under 30. <laughs> anyway, here, uh, and uh, this is a word puzzler, okay? Okay. And I'm going to read three sentences, and there's a mistake in one of them. Ah. And I'm going to try to read them as as uh, clearly as I possibly can. Should I write anything down here? Sure. You might, you might do you well to listen. I'll, I'll listen. Okay. A recent space shuttle mission almost ended in disaster. End of sentence number one. While the shuttle and the International Space Station were engaged in their docking operation, the two crafts almost collided. End of sentence number two. A quick-thinking crew member saved the day. I'll read the three sentences again. Yeah. A recent space shuttle mission almost ended in disaster. While the shuttle and the International Space Station were engaged in their docking operation, the two crafts almost collided. A quick-thinking crew member saved the day. Now, if you think you know the answer... Write it on the back of two double magnum tickets to the Naples Winter Wine Festival, mm -hmm. including lunch and wine tasting with enologist Robert Parker, dinner with enologist Paul Giamatti, and a late night <laughs> snack with Kate Winslet, who doesn't really like wine, but we don't care, <laughs> and send it to Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge, Our Fair City, Matt 02238. Or you can email us your answer. From cartalk.com. But right now, if you have a car question for us, we're at 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hey, this is Mo from Eugene, Oregon. Hi, Mo. Mo. M-O? Yes. Just M-O. Yes. Right. Okay, like Maureen. Correct. Okay, Eugene. Mo Eugene. from Eugene. What's going on, Maureen? What's Mo. Up? Hey, I think I've got a little bit of a relationship problem here. Oh, jeez. But it's one you can handle. I've got. I've I don't take, think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I've been taking my vehicles to the dealer for servicing. Uh -huh. One's a '97 Subaru that I've had for ten years, and a '99 Chevy pickup I've had for two years. And uh, recently, this new garage opened up a lot closer to my house. And you like this new place? Well, it's run by a brother and a sister, 
and they're very personable and very friendly. That's interesting. Okay. So So, continue. So they have a deal where you can get an oil change pretty cheap. So I took both my uh, vehicles over there for oil changes. And without any prompting from me, they made some recommendations. And for both of them, it was to change the spark plug wires and the spark plugs because they were original equipment. And they said if I did this, I'd get better mileage. And the Chevy has 82,000 miles, and the Subaru has 120. So I don't know if they're giving me a line. I really want to believe them because I really want to go to them. Because they're, they're nice folks. Yeah, yeah, they're very nice home. folks. And friends of mine go there. And of all your friends bought spark plugs and spark plug wires too? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing talked... they bought a semi full of <laughs> spark plugs and wires, and they're trying to unload them, so to speak. Well, I'm, I'm wondering that because they recommended a certain brand for both of them too. Well, you're certainly at, at 120K. Boy, oh, boy. You're certainly ready. Uh, the Stubro probably has platinum plugs, and, and but even with even that. Even at that, it's time to change. It's probably time to change. But if you're not having trouble with the thing starting in the rain. Nope. Uh, then I wouldn't worry about the wires. I mean, and while new plugs may improve your mileage, uh, it's unlikely they're going to improve it enough to offset the cost of the plugs and the wires. Okay. How much do they want to do that job, by the way, in the Subaru? Oh, to do that and a couple other little things was about $300. What were the other little things, like replacing Uh, the tires? (laughs) (laughs) It needed a major tune-up. Okay, so the Subaru was going to get... Not only spark plugs and, and spark plug wires, but it was going to get an air filter, a fuel filter. Right. So they wanted 300 bucks to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a little high. How about And those were the other little things, the major tune-up. Yes. How about the Chevy? The Chevy needed the distributor cap and rotor probably need to be replaced. Okay. Along with the spark plugs and wires. So basically they wanted to perform a major tune-up on both of these things. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the price is not out of line. No. Okay. The price is not a And it, it seems like both of those those vehicles are ready to have this done. Okay. It sounds legit to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but be careful. If they if the next time you go in for an oil change, if they try to sell you the plugs and wires again, I'd run. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they'll Don't probably worry. recognize their own product. By the way, what was the name of the manufacturer of the plugs and wires, you remember? Um AC Delco. AC Delco. Yeah. That's certainly good stuff. That's good stuff. Okay. Yeah. You're all set. Good, good. for you. Yeah, don't worry about it. They'll, they'll treat you right, we hope. Okay. I'll <laughs> let you know if they don't. Okay. Good See, luck. See you, okay. Mo. Yeah, you give us their names if they don't. I will. <laughs> See you, Mo. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello. Hey, guys. This is Phil, and I'm calling from Tempe, Arizona. Hey, no Phil. Kidding. What's going on? Well... I started to fix a small problem on my Jeep, and I think I may have created a larger problem in the process. That's, that's what we often that's do. Always the way. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, I, I replaced the, uh, the oil seal, the front oil seal, and when I was putting the vibration damper back onto the crank, I stripped the threads. Oh! You cross-threaded it? Uh, no, I didn't realize that I should be using a longer bolt to pull it in, so I used the original bolt. Oh, and, 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 the, and the, high, the damper wasn't in far enough. Yes. So you stripped the first couple of threads. Uh, yeah, I stripped the first couple of threads, and then um, I, you know, I tapped it on a little bit and, with a hammer and tried to catch the threads, and I, I subsequently did that all the way down. What, you stripped the entire crankshaft all the way through? Yeah, that's what it feels like, yeah. Oh, no, no, oh. no, no, say it ain't so. 
Well, that's what yeah, I think you just confirmed my suspicion that I fixed a small problem but created a much larger problem. <laughs> this could be. This could be. <laughs> for those for awesome. those of you who don't know, when you, when you take off the the front pulley, uh, most vehicles, oh, well, every vehicle that I know of, you, you take off what's called, in many cases, the vibration damper. Uh, that is held on with a key, a Woodruff key, and there's a bolt that makes sure that the thing doesn't slide off. I mean, the only purpose for the bolt really is to make sure that it doesn't come off while you're driving. So the bolt, while it has to be tight is not really responsible for holding the thing in place. What holds it is this Woodruff key, which which you didn't lose, did you? No, no. Oh, okay. And, and unfortunately, the story doesn't end here. Oh, okay. So, so I, I tapped it all the way on. Good. And uh, when, I, when I started it up, I thought, boy, the engine seems to be vibrating a little bit more than I remembered it vibrating. Uh-huh. So my question is, did I damage anything internally, you know, the, the thrust bearings or anything like that? So it vibrates a little bit now. So we have to decide, first of all, if you're going to sell this in your local town or on eBay. Because <laughs> I think that those are the, that's the issue that has to be resolved here. Yeah, now, that's, uh, it's got 140,000 miles on it. Is there any chance that you're imagining this vibration because you did so many things wrong that you... It, it, it's, it's possible. Like I said, it, you know, it, all of a sudden, paranoia seems to take a hold after you realize that you probably didn't do the brightest thing. But did you go out in there and actually look at the engine to see if it's vibrating? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's why I saw it when the hood was up. Ah, if you did anything, you may have damaged the harmonic balancer or the vibration damper when you tapped on it. Oh, okay. You may have. You did not damage the thrust bearing. You didn't bend the crankshaft. You can no, beat none the, of that. You can beat the blazes out of that thing. And oh. the, the the amount of force that you're applying with that hammer is insignificant to the forces that that crankshaft experiences when the pistons are crashing down with the, <laughs> with the, with the force of the explosions of gasoline through the connecting rods and pounding on that crankshaft. So you didn't do, you didn't bend the crankshaft you didn't damage the thrust ah, bearing. Okay. The thing you most likely did was you damaged the harmonic balancer. Here's what you should do, I think. And you can buy a new one. Is okay. Right. You should That's buy, easy. You should buy a new one. You can either buy a used one or a new one, but you can certainly go to your Jeep dealer and and buy a new one. It's probably a couple of hundred bucks or less. Right. You can buy a new bolt or two. Or two. <laughs> you, you, can, you can buy a new retaining bolt, and then you can take the old one off and. I would use one of the new bolts that you buy to maybe re-thread or to make sure that you've threaded that thing in and it it will tighten up. Okay. Or you could take it someplace. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I intend to keep it. Uh, My my daughter likes to drive it. I like to drive it. We, We... The thing is, we go out in the desert, and if you've ever been in the desert or uh, in I have. In I Arizona, couldn't wait to get out. <laughs> that's not the place you want to realize that you really messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, is, is there any good news here? When you ran the thing, did the new seal not leak? Oh, yeah. It held up like a champ. Everything worked fine. Perfect. So the job is a success. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Good luck. Well, good luck, man. <laughs> Don't forget, there's always eBay. <laughs> yes, sir. I've already looked, actually. <laughs> see, you, see you later, Phil. Thank you, guys. Good Bye-bye. luck. <laughs> Bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888. We have to divulge it. It's got a little vibration. But I'm beginning to believe now that he didn't really have a vibration. <laughs> he just thinks he screwed up everything. and he's, Oh, yeah, because he's yeah he, he's paranoid. Of course. Yeah. Wouldn't you be? And some, <laughs> someone should sell his tools before, before he hurts somebody. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255.
Hi, this is Gail from Sacramento, California. Hi, Gail. Ah. Just G-A-I-L? Exactly. Very oh, good. thank goodness. The correct way. <laughs> the correct way. So I need your help uh, with an automotive practical joke revenge scheme. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Oh, boy, we love it. <laughs> yeah, we. I know that you guys are the experts, and me yes, being a woman, you know, I don't have all that many ideas, so I needed your help. Okay, so first okay. of all, you got to give us a little background. Yeah, tell okay. us how you, how you got to this point. Well, I have some coworkers that uh-huh. are nuts. Yeah. And um, before Christmas, they hid some bells in my car, some jingle bells. Uh-huh. I found two of them fairly easily, but the third one they had hidden up in the dash and tied it with one of those bread ties. <laughs> and it was driving me crazy. It took me a couple of weeks. I looked. I tore the car apart a couple of times. Um, turns out I have a mole who told me where uh-huh. this device was. Excellent. Oh, yeah. really? Really? And, by the way, what do, you, what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher. You're a teacher? Ah. Yeah. Elementary school. So you work with a bunch of people who like to do practical jokes and have fun and yuck it up. Yeah, they're pretty nutty. That's right. You know, most people take their jobs too seriously. And yeah. Glad they yeah. Us. haven't well, focused that much on education. And, <laughs> and practical jokes seems to be the, <laughs> the order of the day. Yeah. They're they're pretty good at that, and I just I, I just am not sure what to do to get back at them. Well, I th- I mean the best practical joke automotive one that I heard of, we mentioned it on the show once was I think the the the, uh, the one where these some coworkers started adding gasoline to somebody's tank. <laughs> That's right. I this love guy was it. saying, "Gee, I just bought this new car. I'm getting, you know." 38 miles to the gallon, and every week they went, they put a little more gas into his tank. <laughs> I'm and, now getting 42 miles to the gallon. I can't believe it. Yeah, and at some point he was up to like 80. <laughs> oh my God. I guess the thing was finally be broken in now. I'm getting 80 miles to the gallon. And then I guess they started taking gas out. That <laughs> went down to six miles a gallon. So the, uh, the important thing about any kind of retribution, practical joke retribution, is that you can't be in a hurry to exact it. I'm not sure that any of them are aware enough of their gasoline usage to, to notice that. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could. You know what you could do? You could buy uh, and sneak it in. You could buy a fart clock <laughs> and, <laughs> and sneak it into some remote corner of a classroom. Have you, have you seen these? No. Have you, or rather, have you heard them? I haven't. You have it? Oh, well, they are absolutely yeah, wonderful. Yeah, just go online and Google Fart Clock, and I'm sure there are lots of... <laughs> Doug Berman is doing it right now. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. We, we might have a manufacturer for you in a second. <laughs> well, that or I could even I mean, hide it in their car somewhere. So what, what grade? Oh, yeah. you, you, you guys are K through 6? Yes. Oh, I mean, nothing can disrupt a classroom faster <laughs> than a fart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and That's... the kids will be... Unable to be controlled for days on end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we evidently we have. I, I wasn't aware of this because they don't let us into the office too much. But uh, we have a remote control one that you can get that you can you know as a little transmitter. Oh. Ooh. You can get it at Prank Place. It's called Prank Place. Yeah. Okay. Prankplace.com. I will check that yeah, out. And I'm sure they have all manner of disruptive things. You know, that's a great idea. Yeah. So they'll be looking for something that's. And it would be great if you just kind of walked by the classroom and just. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. And you might have to have one of the kids in one of the classes be oh, a yeah. co-conspirator. Oh, I know the perfect kid. I you do. know the oh, perfect kid? Yay. I do. I know the perfect one. There's no doubt. Nice yeah. going, yeah. Gail. Okay. Yeah, the whole class will be against. This will be wonderful. Yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah this is a good idea. <laughs> well, 
But, Let us uh, know how it goes. Which Dino finds out. Good okay. luck, Gail. Thank you so much. Don't, don't get yourself fired. <laughs> okay, thanks. See ya. Okay. <laughs> well, it's happened again. You've blown off another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Our esteemed producer is Doug, the subway fugitive, not a slave to fashion, bongo boy Berman. Our associate producers are Louis Cronin, the barbarian, and David Gibraltar Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug, the old gray mayor. Our engineer is John Cartman Parati. Our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor, just back from the East Toulouse, pickle juice, Haunch of moose, hint of spruce, cold smoked goose, fresh produce, beef au jus, lamb couscous, puy fous, <laughs> chocolate mousse, chilled matous, reduce the caboose, is John Bugsy Lawler. Wow. Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research, assisted by statistician Margin of Error. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzoff. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our investment management company is Portly Endowed. Our beatnik philosopher is Harry Reasoner. Our head of public relations is Deb Backle. Our chief negotiator is Nicole Ann Dime. Our Russian chauffeur is Pikoff and Dropoff. Our optometric firm is CFI Care. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horseshoe Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is Hugh Lewis Dewey, known to the overeducated newspaper vending machines in Harvard Square as Huey Louie Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack the Tappet Brothers. And don't drive like my brother. And don't drive like my brother. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. CDs of the show, which is number 703, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK, or by going to the Shemless Commerce Division of our website, cartalk.com. Also this week, it's open enrollment time for our Puzzler newsletter and our Time Kill Weekly. Open enrollment? You mean like a health plan? <laughs> Can't you just sign up for the newsletters anytime? Well, well, yeah, I was just trying to make it sound like a little more exciting, you know? Come on. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletters, the Puzzle Newsletter, or Time Kill Weekly anytime at cartalk.com. Open enrollment closes soon, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Does not. <laughs>